We'll start reading at verse number 12. The Bible says this. Then spake Joshua to the Lord in the day when the Lord delivered up the Amorites before the children of Israel. And he said in the sight of Israel, Son, stand thou still upon Gibeon, and thou moon in the valley of Ajon. And the sun stood still, and the moon stayed, until the people had avenged themselves upon their enemies. Is not this written in the book of Jasher? So the sun stood still in the midst of heaven, and hasted not to go down about a whole day. And there was no day like that before it or after it, that the Lord hearkened unto a voice of a man, for the Lord fought for Israel. Let's pray. Lord, we come to you. We're thankful to be here. And Lord, I just, I stand in this place. I need you touch tonight. I pray you'd just help me, Lord. Help me to effectively communicate the word of God. And I pray you'd use us tonight, Lord, for your glory. I pray you'd just help me to make it plain and clear as I can, Lord. Strengthen me and help me, Lord. If there's one lost, I pray to get saved. Pray you'd help the church, Lord, help us to grow closer to you, help us to do your will. We appreciate you and we love you in Jesus' name, amen. Now, uh, what sets up chapter number 10 would obviously be chapter number 9. That's normally how that works. But, uh, but what happened is, and the key part of this is, in chapter number 9, uh, there came a group of people to the nation of Israel. They're in the promised land. They uh, already have taken over Jericho and taken over Ai. And, and these Gibeonites, they came and they uh, presented themselves as if they were people from a far country. I mean... They, they, they wore the raggedest clothes they had. They brought the bread. It's been on the counter for two weeks. They, you know, their bottles of their uh, water were empty. All these things. They, they, and they came to them and they said, we've come and heard what God has done from a far land and we want to make a covenant with you. And, and, and that's all fine and well, but the biggest problem that happened was that uh, Joshua and them, before they, uh, they, what they didn't do was they didn't ask God if this was a good idea. Can I say, let me make some application uh, it's a good idea to always pray about it and see what God says about it before you make a decision, especially one like this. If you, if you remember, they were supposed to take over. There wasn't supposed to be anybody left in this land. Now, they were uh, eventually because they did not uh, allow God to use them. It wasn't God's fault. God intended to give them the whole thing, but they never got the whole thing. But what we find out is in chapter number 10 that these Amorite kings had heard about the Gibeonites making this truce, this covenant. Now, here's the thing. They made a covenant, and they found out they was liars, but God made them hold to it. He said, you know, you're going to keep your word even though they wasn't keeping theirs. May I say, we ought to keep our word as believers. That ought to be something we ought to do. We ought to be trustworthy. But, but, but anyways, we come to chapter number 10, and... The Amorites, the people in the land, these kings had heard that the Gibeon, which was a great city uh, in the sense of it was probably a large city, but it, it said as a great city there, uh, they, they had heard that they had made this covenant with them and they decided, well, what we're going to do is we're going to go and we're going to destroy Gibeon. Well, uh, Joshua had made them, uh, uh, they pretty much what they did was hewers of wood and drawers of water. That's what they, they said, well, you know what, we can't get rid of you, but what you're going to do is work for us after that decision. And, 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 and isn't it amazing how they, think about this for a second, you say, well, that ain't that big of a deal. Well, they actually were supposed to have the whole city, but instead they just got the service out of it. We'll settle for less when we shouldn't. That's good preaching right there. But, but, but listen... So the Gibeonites sent for Joshua and the children of Israel. And they said, 
man, they're coming to get us. You know, they, 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 the SOS sign went out. And, and Joshua and them, they, they, they came and, and God told them, uh, if you read there about uh, verse number 8, that God told Joshua, he said, listen, don't fear him, I'm going to give you victory. So God was in this thing from here. And as we come to verse number 12, they've already started, uh, the, the, the battle's already started. And if you read there, what's pretty amazing is that, that, that God sent great hailstones to destroy. He destroyed more than the children of Israel did in this battle. But I want you to see something is they're actively in the will of God. We're not, we're at this place when we pick up in verse number 12, they're in the middle of doing God's will. They're not waiting to start and it's not over They're I mean, they're right down in the middle of it. And I want you to notice some things that we find here uh, that, that they're going to have to get through and what we can do to help us when we're in the middle of God's will. We want to finish and do what God would have us to do. And that's what they did here. And, and I want you to know Notice as, as, as we get to verse number 12, Joshua begins to pray in front of all the children of Israel, speak to the Lord, and, and he asks one of the most amazing requests, but, uh, and he asks the Lord to hold the sun and hold the moon, and he needed more time. That's what he was praying for, more time. And I want you to notice the first thing we come to is the first problem they ran into, literally, we ran into spiritually, and here's the problem. Realize the problem is that, hey, they were running out of daylight. Can I say something to you? darkness will try to hinder us. They were to get rid of these people and Joshua looked up and realized I ain't got enough time. Daylight's uh, ending. Darkness is coming. And may I say that in the same day we're living in, maybe not in the literal sense of darkness, but spiritually we need to realize that, hey, darkness is trying to hinder our progress. We are fighting against someone. We are fighting for someone and with someone, but we are fighting against someone. And it's good to identify who, let me say something. It's good to identify who the real enemy is. Now, we're in a land that will divide us all over the place with all kinds of things. But I'm going to say something to you. The Bible's real clear about our opposition. Ephesians 6 and 12 says, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Now listen to me. There are people that oppose us and stand against us, but it's not that they're our enemy, it's that they're, they're being used by the enemy we got to realize the enemy is Satan himself. There's, there's a, if you, you read that verse right there, against powers, the principalities, against rulers, there's a whole empire of evil out there that we can't see. And you wonder, well, all these things that happen, let me say something to you, Washington, D.C., and all these great big cities, you know what, we see all these things because they're under the influence of the evil one. We ought to just stop for a second and thank God we can't see what's going on around us. Because if we did, we'd all be shivering and shuddering down in the floor if we could see the evil that was around us. But let me say something. It, just because we can't see it don't mean it ain't there. And, 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 and we have to realize there is an opposition. Darkness is opposing us, and, and the devil will use. He'll use evil men and seducers. He'll use these men to do these things, and we're fighting against that in a sense. And it's trying to hinder the work. It seems like in the day we're in, for all the good we do, it seems like we're pushed a step or two backwards when something goes right. But I want to say something to you. we got to realize there is a problem. There is an opposition. 2 Timothy 3 and 13, but evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived for as much truth as we can put out. There's as many deceivers putting out false truths and deceptions. But I want to say something to you. That don't, we can't let that hinder us from what we're supposed to do. 
This is down in the middle of the will of God. Joshua's standing here, and he realizes the problem. He, he, I think he's, listen, I think he's, he's, uh, the reason he did what he did right here is because he knew they had victory, but he knew that, hey, they could only get the total victory God wanted if God would intervene. And may I say something to you? We need the Lord to help us. We can't do anything without him. But we got to realize the problem that there is an opposition out there. And we also got to realize our opportunities in light of the darkness. We're, we're living in this time of darkness. Ephesians 5, 15 and 16 says this, it says, see then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Redeeming the time. To notice that because the days are evil. That's that darkness. For all the things we want to do, darkness is trying to limit the opportunities that you and I have to do God's will. It's trying to hinder. It's trying to, trying to get in the way. It's trying to stop. It's trying to do all these things. And I want you to realize is redeeming the time. Evil distracts us. It disrupts us. And it lessens the opportunities for doing right. And God said we better be wise with the opportunities that we have. That, that, that's a financial term there, redeeming. We, we can see that it goes all the way back and we talk about redemption uh, that's a financial term. It was a cost there. There's something, when you redeem something, it means you've, you, you've bought it, you've purchased it. And what God is really saying is make smart purchases with your time. And may I say, can we say, looking at the day we're living in, our greatest uh, hindrance, I believe, to our time and making smart use of our time is distraction. A hundred years ago, they didn't have all this stuff. Now, they had distractions, but I mean... You think about it. I mean, I, 24 hours a day, there's news on. Or opinion. The opinion's on 24 hours a day. That's better. Okay? Opinion on 24 hours a day. The internet is always. I mean, for all of the things that the social connections and all the... I mean, 24 hours a day, there's always something. There's always something to take your mind, always something to, to get you away. And it seems like there's more and more things. I don't know that there's more and more things, but in my life it feels like there's more and more things. I don't know if it's like you, but I mean sometimes I just think, I don't know how I'm going to get all this done, and normally I don't. That's what happens. But I, but I think about all of the distractions that keep me from making smart purchases of my time. And I want you to realize this. If we're going to finish well and do the right things, we're going to have to be making smart purchases. That means using our time in the right manner, in the right way. I'm not saying that we can't have days off, and I'm not preaching against vacations. That's not what I'm saying. But let's be real honest. We can sit down on our phones for, hey, I'll just sit down and look at this for five minutes, and 45 minutes later, oh, all of a sudden it gets away from us, don't it? Or I'll just watch this headline for a second or do this for a second or whatever it may be. I'm just saying, and I, I'm not against, I, I'm not against, the, God, I don't think God don't want us to go through this life and not enjoy things. I don't see that in there. But can I say something to you? If our enjoyment comes before our service for the Lord, there's an issue there. That, that, that's what I'm trying to grasp at. But, but uh, there's a lot of times is it's not that we're doing bad things or things that are wrong in general. It's just that we're just wasting the time that we have. And that's the one thing we can never get back. You can't earn back five minutes. I mean, there's been a couple people that's prayed. Hezekiah got 15 years, but God don't have to give you an extra time. I, and I don't know, and here's the thing. We don't know how much we got. You can look in your wallet and say, well, I, 
you know what, I, I, instead of going to the Taco Bell, we'll go to Golden Crown, spend the extra money. You know what, you can look at that, but you know what, I can't look at my wallet and see how much time I got left for, to, for the next decision that I'm about to make. And I need to keep in mind as I'm making decisions because everything for the child of God, it should, it should be encompassed about God's will and what we're supposed to be doing, where we're supposed to be. And thinking about all those things, we need to remember that evil's trying to hinder us. And we can see that here. Joshua realized the problem. He said, hey, the problem is, hey, darkness is going to hinder what we're supposed to be doing here. And I need to do something about it. The Bible said in Psalm 90 and 12, so teach us to number our days. This was a prayer request of Moses after he looked at God and looked at himself and realized how small and in the light of eternal God is, man is. He said, so teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. May I say for a second is we got to look at the day. We don't know how much time we got left. Darkness is coming more. The world's not getting better. It's not going to get better. It's not going to get easier to live right and live godly. We ought to pray. I mean, I'm telling you, we don't praise God enough for the freedoms we got here. We ought to just, you say, well, it's another Sunday. We ought to praise God it's another Sunday that we had the liberty to come here and the freedom just, hey, nobody forced us. Nobody stopped us. We're not under some uh, gun or lock and key. We got to come here freely in a nice air-conditioned I mean, we ought to just praise God for a second on that. It may not be this easy. I mean, I hope that this is how it is. I say, even so, come so, Lord Jesus, but what if it ain't? So we ought to, we ought to worship on that. But I want you to realize there is a real problem. Darkness is trying to hinder the progress. That's what you see right here. They're running out of time. But I want you to see what we can do. I think this is the key to this whole thing. And this isn't a particular prayer you're going to pray. Don't, don't be going and you say, well, how do you know this? Well, because don't be going and asking God to extend the day 48 hours. You say, well, why is that? Well, because it wasn't a day like it and there'll never be one after that like it. So I don't know, I, need, I ain't going to ask God to, for, to extend a time like that. But I can find that there's a refuge in prayer while being in the will of God. Now, Joshua's standing there. I'm sure he's leading this army. I'm sure they're fighting and avenging. And in the midst of what's going on, you know what he did? He stopped. Now, it wasn't a long prayer. It was just 14 words. It's just 14 words that he talked to the Lord. But in the midst of what was going on, in the midst of the battle, in the midst of the service that he was doing for God, you know what we see here? He took time to refuge in prayer and to get down and hunker down to the place that he had some power. That's where he come from. It came from the Lord. Notice that, hey, God told him he would give him. We see here in the same verses that God said that he fought for Israel. So their victory was in the Lord. It wasn't in themselves. And Joshua was a mighty man. But he knew, he knew in Joshua chapter number 5 when he met uh, the the chief and commander so to speak when you the pre-incarnate Christ I believe coming down to take over and Joshua asked which side he's on he said I ain't here to take sides my friend I'm here to take over I'm, I'm here to give victory Joshua knew his victory was in the Lord but in the middle of the will of God you know what he was doing he stopped and he said I need to seek the Lord may I say if we're going to keep God's will and continue my desire is to continue my desire for this church is to continue. I want us to grow in what we're doing. I don't mean it mean more things. It may just be growing in what we're already doing, but I want to see us grow. I want to see God move. I want to see people's lives change and, and, and people born again. That was a great message this morning. We ought to preach more, and we do all the time on you must be born again because you must be. I want to see it happen. I, I, I'm like Tom. Hey, I, I'd rather have, I hope we have a high water bill here. Fill it up every week. Yeah. We ought to want those things. But in the middle of what we're going on, we're going to find hindrances. 
You're going to find hindrances as you personally do what God would have you to do, but we're going to find it as a church. We're going to find out that, that there's going to be things that the devil's going to try to do to hinder what's going on here. But you know what Joshua did? He said he just hunkered down in prayer and he didn't say, I'm glad, I thank, thank God for this, 14 words. I'm glad that he can use a simple prayer like that. He wasn't, didn't need no theological long discourse, thesis and all this stuff with a couple paragraphs of things. You know what he did? He just simply spoke to the Lord there in that verse. And notice he said, he said, Son, stand thou still upon Gibeon, thou moon in the valley of Ajon. Listen to me. I think it's an amazing thing is we got to remember, what do we do when our problems, what do they prompt us to do when a problem happens? When it comes up to us, what happens? What do you do? It's a good question. We can learn from this. What do our problems prompt us to do? Well, he could have panicked and, and quit. He could have said, been satisfied and said, that's good enough. I mean, they'd already done a lot of work here. There's a lot of, lot of things he could have done, but you know what? He knew if he was going to continue and to prevail completely what God would have for him, he was going to have to have God to do it. And can I say, we need to remember a few things when we're in the middle of the will of God and we come up against some things. First, we need to remember our access to God. What an amazing thing. I can't get in a lot of places. But y'all, I mean, I know it's a public thing, but you couldn't get in my building. I work for the state. You can't get in my building. And you can get in the Capitol in certain places, but you can't get in everywhere. I mean, I don't even know that I could get in, in, in my own auditor's office. I'm sure they'd question me as I got, got in the door because I don't care all the time. I'm surely, no, you ain't getting back in the office of the governor without running through something. You already go through the, all the different things. Don't even try to drive to D.C. He ain't there anyways in Delaware, but that might make some of y'all mad. I don't care, though. But, but listen to me. I can't get into these places with people that have power that's been delegated to them. And let's remember when you go to Romans chapter number, I think it's number 13, all these powers, God's given governments and things like that. Just remember, he's over all those things. And let's remember this too. He puts them in and he, hey, he puts them in and he takes them out. You can go over the book of Daniel. He showed that to Nebuchadnezzar. But what I do, God, is greater access than a governor's office or the White House or to the Capitol grounds. I got access to the throne of heaven. Because I have a great high priest that's in there and he's sitting on the right hand of the Father and he tells us in Hebrews 4 and 16, he says, let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. Can I, can, can I just stop for a second and remind you in the midst of when hindrances come and we go to prayer, we need to remember we have access. We, we can, I mean, we can think about all the things we don't have, but let me say something to you. When you think about what you do, God, in that, about a place to go, notice what it says there. Here, not only because of the, boldly doesn't mean proudly or some arrogant way. It means because of who you are in Christ and because of what he's done for you. We can go in. I, I, I'm supposed to be there. That's where God has called me to be. That's what it means, boldly, not ashamedly. I mean, I go in humbly. That's how we're supposed to be. But I'm there because I belong because of the precious blood of Jesus. That's what he's saying. Hey, just 
just like my kids. Listen, I don't let those kids down the street. Listen, if they'd come and just walk into my house, I'd say, what are you doing? But when Micah walks in the door, you know what? I don't say, what are you doing? I say, hey, son, how are you? You see, that's the way God's telling us right here. Come boldly under the throne of grace. And notice this. There's a place to obtain mercy. We're going to need it. We ought to thank God is there. But he said to find grace to help in the middle of the hour when the darkness is coming and we're in the middle of God's will. There's a place we can go to get some help. And we got to remember the ability of God. We see not only access to God, but the ability of God. Now, let's not, let's not read over this like this is just something. Un, I'm, I'm talking about for a second. He just said, you know what he did? He had like a remote. It paused on the whole universe. That's what happened right here. Now, you say, well, why does it say the sun stood still? I was thinking about this. Now, we know that I know at least I took enough science, listened enough to know that the moon revolves around the earth and the earth revolves around the sun. You say, well, why did the sun and the moon stand still? Well, when you pause the whole thing, nothing moves. And you know, they, they even have some scientists that can trace back. They call this, I believe it's one long day is what they call it. Isn't that right, Tom? I think that's what they call it over there. But they have scientists that have even traced this back to a gap where everything was off for almost a whole day. Think about this for a second. I, I'm talking about God just paused the universe. Everything just stopped. We know that, think about that. You say, well, what's, what's that matter? Well, when that's the one you're praying to, that's a pretty big deal. I mean, if you got somebody and just uh, place pause on the revolution of the, of the earth on its axis and, and, and stop everything where one day becomes two day, I don't think there's a problem we've mounted up yet against that we should look at and say, well, if he can pause the universe, I think we'll be all right pretty good right here, right? We got to think about his ability. I mean, the Bible goes through and proclaims the power of God. Think about this, Matthew 19, 26. But with God, all things are possible. Daniel 4 and 35. I mean, you know what? I bet there were some people in that congregation that said, what in the world is he saying? Don't act like y'all wouldn't do that. Tom got up here and started praying, Lord, we need, you know what? Lord, we need another 12 hours for me to preach. Some of y'all pass out, but the other would say, why is he praying that? Think about the request. He's asking, that's impossible. There ain't a man in the world that can stop that and do that. But there's a God in heaven who can. And I'm talking about he asked God to do something that man could never do. The Bible said in Daniel 4 and 35, He that doeth according to his will in the army of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. Notice this. And none can stay his hand or say unto him, What doest thou? There ain't, hey, listen, if he wanted to make it five or six days to hold it in place, he could have done that and nobody could say, Stop that or what are you doing? Because he's over all things. We got to remember that. Jeremiah 33 and 3, call unto me, and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. I mean, I, I, now some people, they, I look this up, and if you think about, well, if he just stopped the earth, let me say something to you, ain't nobody else ever did that. I just think he put a pause on everything, but, you know, anyways... I was looking to think about, well, the earth stopping on its axis. They say this by based on volume. And you have these other people. It's like, well, it won't work. But I don't do that much numbers. But based on volume, the size of the earth, 
1.31, million Earths can fit inside the sun. That's what they say. Uh, you can take that for Google for what you want to, but here's why I'm using the illustration. That's really big. That's right out of nitro. And I'm talking about, he just told them to stop. And you know what they did? Exactly that. They didn't fight back. They didn't question it. It just stopped. And when he was ready for it to get going again, and he said, go ahead, they just got right back where they was. I'm talking about, we serve a God of all power. And that, 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 that all power is given unto me in heaven and earth. That's Jesus speaking because he is God, just as much God as God the Father and God the Holy Ghost. But you say, why is that important? Because that verse, the next verse that we as talk about the Great Commission, all that we're supposed to be doing down here on earth hinges upon his power and his authority that he has. And what I'm trying to grasp and get you to realize is we have a God that can do whatever he wants, whenever he pleases. He'll never do anything outside of his character. And listen, if he wants to do something, you can, ain't nobody, let me say something. If he wants to, you won't even say anything about it. Don't you wish we had some of them buttons? Where you say something and someone, you know, everybody got a comment, but I mean, if you just had a button to say, I'm going to do this, and you could just, you could mute everybody. I just believe it's all my heart. People think you're going to stand at the great white throne judgment and tell God something. Listen to me. If he lets you speak, one, you don't need to. The books are open. Everything's already there. It's already a record. But you'll only speak if he lets you. And the one part I know that you'll say is every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, the glory of God the Father. Can I say, you will say what he wants you to say. And you won't wrestle around it or anything else. We need to keep that kind of thought in our minds of how great our God is, how powerful he is, how holy that he is. We can, in the middle of what's going on, that's what Joshua, to pray a prayer like this, you've got to have some faith. You got, I mean, you've got to have some faith. There's a whole army looking at you and you're standing in front of all of them asking God to stop the sun and the moon. That's a man full of faith. And in the middle of the will of God, he remembers, we need to remember the ability of God, but we need also to remember the assistance of God. I'm glad for this. He knew, God had already told him in verse number 8 that, hey, that the Lord would deliver them into his hand. And we find it again that the Lord fought for Israel in verse number 14. And I'm glad that we can find not only in the Old Testament but in the New. And Paul wrote this, or Paul said this in Acts 26, 22. He said, having therefore obtained help of God, I continue unto this day witnessing both to the small and great, saying none other things than those which the prophets and Moses did say should come. You know what Paul said? Paul was saying, I was in the middle of God's will and I got the help of God and I continued what I was doing. He said, I didn't change my message. I preached exactly what was already being said. And you know what else that tells us? It says that the Old Testament had already pictures the coming of our Savior. The Old Testament just says, hey, he's coming. There's one that's going to save. And Paul said, I didn't have to change my message. Hey, the gospel was already in there that Christ died for our sins. It was pictured all the way through, through the tabernacle, through the innocent uh, lamb that was slain in the garden. You threw every sacrifice throughout the Old Testament. Paul said, I just picked up on what God was saying was coming after he already came. But Paul said, with the help of God, he obtained God's help. It's essential. We can't do it without it. We can't, there's, not a, there's not a thing we can do here without the help of God. And, and listen to me. And, and have people's lives changed and people saved and spiritually grow. And let me say this, how powerful this book is. I believe it's all my heart. 
I could, you, you could have lost people lay out gospel tracts and people could get saved. You say, why? Well, here's why. Because, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. The word of God itself is it, I don't make this powerful. I don't add this. But I need the unction of the Holy Spirit of God, the anointing of God when I preach it. But it's the power of God unto salvation. That's what it is. It's already a powerful book. That message will change somebody's life. That's why we focus and center on it here. But I want you to realize this. We need God's help if we're going to do God's will. We can't do it without him. It's essential. But it's also available. That's amazing. It's available. We don't have to try to wrestle through this in our own strength. Greg's been teaching about it in a sense. He said, for his grace is sufficient. Listen, God has what we need. It's available. And can I say something to you else? It's reliable. We don't have a lot of reliability. I mean, listen, you, you buy something like this. This drives me nuts. I, I bought something the other day at Walmart. And I think I paid like $10 for it. And they want me to buy a $1.52 year replacement plan. Listen, if a $10 toaster or whatever it was ain't going to last two years, why are you selling it to start with? I know they're trying to get some extra money out of it, but the principle is, listen, if you ain't got enough confidence that that thing ain't going to last, what in the world are you selling it for? It ain't, a lot of things ain't reliable. I know y'all say it. They don't make everybody in here, everybody in here over the age of 50. I know y'all made this statement. And for us under 50, we're probably getting there. We'll say, they don't make it like they used to. Yeah, I knew I'd get some amens on that, right? They don't make it like they used to, but I'm glad for this. Let me say something to you. We can always count on him. He'll never leave us, never forsake us. He'll never fail us. He'll supply what we need. He'll make sure for us to do his will. Hey, listen, his help is reliable. So we need to, we need to remember, in, in the middle of what's going on, when we're seeing this, we're in the middle of God's will, we can, hey, in the middle of what's going on, Joshua kept in prayer. We need to stay in prayer. Remember our access. Remember his ability and remember his assistance. But I want you to notice this lastly. Notice what the, the rest of the verse says there. It says, until the people had avenged themselves upon their enemies. You know what we need to do? We need to remain in pursuit. Now, here's what they did. They kept going till the job was done, till they had fulfilled what God would have for them to do. And, and may I say something to you? They showed a continuance in doing God's will. We must continue to pursue God's will. Now, I mean, he may, he's not going to extend the day to two days for us. But he'll do what we need here in Dunbar. But I want you to think about this for a second. We're going to face hindrances we were coming upstairs and was talking to Mike. And he, he made a statement. and he, he said, a lot of people, it seems like in the day we're in, are looking for the coming of Jesus more than they ever have. And the, sta the state of our world ought to push us that way, right? And, and we should see that, I mean, listen, I don't know. I'm not putting any time on when he's coming. But listen, in 10 more years, I don't know what this country is going to look like if he hasn't came yet. And you think that ought to grow as, as we get there. We ought to say, even so, come Lord Jesus. We want to see him, but hey, we, ought to, hey, we ought to want to. But I want you to think about this for a second. We see this, but we ought to continue to say, you know what? Until he comes, we ought to want to finish well. We ought to want to finish right. And I know that, and I know that he's, I believe he's close. With all my heart, I believe he's close. But we want to remain in pursuit 
And that's what he did. Notice he said, until the people had avenged themselves. You know what that said was? They continued until the job was done. Now, I, don't, I, I think it would be, wouldn't that be something if it, the, per, the last person, I believe this, there's going to be something. I, I guess it's my opinion on it, okay? I'm going to give my opinion. I'm not inside the scriptures. But I believe at some point somebody's going to get saved and that's what's going to, God's just going to say that's it. Now, I could be wrong. I'm not giving you Bible right now. I'm just giving you my opinion, all right? So you all hear me on that? Just say amen if you heard me. Okay, I'm just giving you my opinion. But I, I believe at some point, and there, the gospel is still going out around the world. I believe there'll be somebody somewhere that'll get born again. He's going to look over and say, it's time. Now, that'd be cool if it was right here. That'd be real cool. I mean, I, don't, I mean, you know, we could be down there praying at the altar. Next thing you know, I'd be already bowed down when I got there. I'm just saying, you don't know. You can't say it can't happen. But, but, but here's what I want you to realize is, I want to stay until that moment comes. I don't know what's going to trigger him to say, it's it, it's over. He's long-suffering. You say, why ain't he come back yet? Well, because he's not willing that any should perish and all should come to repentance. And we ought to praise God for the long-suffering of God. I say, praise his name for that. But until he comes, let's remain in pursuit. 1 Corinthians 15, 58, one of the most important chapters in the Bible Ends, ends with this verse, and it starts out with therefore, and that's a great big hinge, and it says all the 57 verses prior to that. I'm going to tell you why, what I'm getting ready to say is because of these. He says, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. There's a few things in this I want to pull out, and then I'm done. Steadfast and unmovable almost sound like the same thing. They're very, very close. You could almost interchange the words if you wanted to. And you say, well, what, what does he mean right there? Well, I believe what he's trying to say is he's telling us don't, don't move from his will and don't let someone else move you. There's some inside of us that want to be pulled away. And there's some things that's trying to push us out. And he's saying, stay in there. Always abounding, growing in what you're doing for God. That doesn't mean you may be doing more. I'm not telling you that, but you may be growing in what you're already doing. And remember this. All them times, listen to me, nobody else sees it. Nobody else maybe appreciates it. Nobody else thinks anything about it. When you don't see the results, when the, when the things you're expecting to come from it doesn't happen, know that it's not in vain. He knows. He sees. I'm talking about that's important. Because you know what the devil will do? He'll, he'll wear you out. Nobody come to the altar tonight. I'm, listen to me. I, you don't have to come to the altar. But it's good as preachers to see some movement of God's people. Now listen to me. But whether or not anybody ever comes again, as long as I know I'm preaching the word of God, and it, it may get harder to preach God's word, and it, the, heart, the hearts may get hardened to the gospel, but I want to keep preaching God's word. If no one else comes, I want to stay with it. 
All them preparation times and things where the devil discourage you and the devil just say quit and he's, you know what, this ain't popular anymore and you, nobody cares and all these kind of stuff. Listen to me, stay with it. Even when you don't necessarily, when you're thinking about all the people work with our youth, let me say something to you. Don't get discouraged, keep giving them the truth. Stay patient with them. Help them. Grow them. Hey, that's what they need to do. And eventually, I'm telling you something. Listen, it'll make a difference. But if it doesn't make a difference, God sees that you were trying to. And he says labor. Labor. It's not empty. That's what that word vain means. It's not empty. Because he knows. We need to remain in pursuit. Paul said in Philippians 3 and 14... This was Joshua right here. This is a picture of Joshua in Joshua 10. He said, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. When he came to that place, Judy, you come on, I'm done. When he came to that place where he could have been satisfied. He could have been satisfied, Tom. Yeah. Y'all ever think about that? He could have just been, you know what? That's, we, we got most of them. That's, he could have done, at this point, he could have said, you know, we got most of them. We, we, we've, I mean, we've done good. Lord, you've been good to us. We can saddle on and just get back to the buffet line and go home and celebrate what God's done for us. That's a, I mean, they, they could have. But standing there in the midst of it, he's seeing the darkness. He said, God, help us. Let's get them all. Let's finish a job. We're standing there looking at all the opposition and we're facing it. Maybe not on the personal way as much as we might. But I mean, they're standing against us. Evil's out there standing against us. We're, we're having to preach things we never thought we'd have to preach. We're having to pray for certain events that we can't even believe that's even happening in our communities. I mean, it's out there. Evil's trying to take it. They're trying, it, listen, Satan's trying to keep them blinded. There's a work going on the other side. As God told us to go out and sow the seed, give out the gospel, he's working just as hard to keep people lost and on their way to hell. And you know what? If we're not careful. We could come right here. How many years ago has it been since y'all started this building program? about eight years before you got in it, you think? We've been in here, what, four or five years? Somebody tell me. Four years. Twelve years. It ain't, ain't over. We still got a loan on it. We're still asking God to bless in that. Jeff Bishop, he'll, he'll touch the ceiling in here when he gets done. We all will. But I want you to think about this for a second. It's beautiful. Y'all just ever stop for a second and just look how beautiful it is in here? I mean, it's wonderful. The facilities that we have here is just tremendous. And we can look and say, that's been good enough. I stand up here, I look out, I see some empty seats. I see the job ain't done yet. I'm still thankful for what God has done. When I look out and I see... There's still more. We knock on them doors, hang them door hangers. Sometimes people don't answer, sometimes we don't know, but you never know what, what, what one thing could do to make a change. We could be satisfied and settle. 
Be comfortable. It's comfortable in here. We can be like Joshua. He saw the darkness. He saw it was going to face. You know, we could literally isolate ourselves and make it comfortable for ourselves. Y'all realize we could do that. Now, we are the church and we are to come here, but we're ministering outside of there. We want to impact outside of there. But he looked out and he saw this. He saw a problem. And he looked up and he saw God. He said, Lord, if you'll help us, we'll keep on. And I believe with all my heart, that's a prayer we can pray tonight as a church. Lord, if you'll help us, we'll keep on. I don't know if every, every seat in here, I'd like to think every seat in here at some point will be full. But if it ain't, but if it's just one more, it's worth it. If it's just one more, if it's just one little boy, little girl come in on the bus, get born again and go to heaven, worth every penny. If it's just one man or woman, live the life in sin, come in this place and get born again, get their sins washed in the blood of Jesus, let me say something to you, worth every single penny. We want to keep on, church. Let's bow our heads.